Welcome to the Yours in Marketing Podcast. Hey, it's Blake here. If this is the first time that you're joining us on the Yours in Marketing Podcast, do me a favor. Please go wherever you get your podcast, doesn't matter where, and please review, rate, subscribe to the podcast right now. Well, or after the episode, whichever works for you. We're really looking for your support so that we can build this and make it even more valuable for you. So please rate, review, and subscribe the Yours in Marketing podcast. I thank you from the bottom of my heart. On today's episode of the Yours in Marketing podcast, I was able to speak with Yam Regev, who is the co-founder and CEO of Zest. And Yam has over 10 years of experience in marketing. He's very knowledgeable. And we talked about some really interesting things, really diving back even to people early in their careers. So here's an actionable list of what you're going to learn from this episode. First, how to grow your career in marketing. Then after that, we actually discussed what is the best content marketing strategy specifically for B2B. And finally, you're going to learn of all the marketers, whether you're beginning in your career or you're well advanced in your career, what's the number one skill that marketers should be trying to build right now. So please stick around, and without any further ado, here is the interview with Yam Regev. We are recording, and I'm here with Yam Regev. How are you doing, Yam? How's how life in Israel? Oh, thank you so much, Blake, and uh, thanks for having me. And the life in Israel is super hot. <laughs> you know, so you can just, you all, you all went out and it's all, you get too sweaty. So I will, we are keeping ourselves chill within the office, right? Yeah. At what point in Israel does it actually get cooler? Does you, do you have a real winter? Maybe maybe it was like that few hundreds of years. <laughs> Kidding, of course. There is a winter over here. Um, it's uh, not that uh, long and not that heavy. But in the northern part of Israel, it's a little bit too, uh, a little bit more uh, green, you can say. Mm-hmm. We have snow, a, a big mountain or a really high mountain with snow in, uh, on it only on winter. So the northern part is getting really green over the, you know, with forests over the, the winter. Then you have like a transition kind of uh, area. And then southern part of Israel, it's all about a beautiful desert. Some of it gets green, greenish, you can say, um, you know, win- uh, over the winter. But um, it's a vast area with beautiful scenery and, and great stuff over there. It sounds like a cooler version of Austin, Texas. Exactly. I think so, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yam is the, you're the CEO, the co-founder of Zest. You've done a million other things as well. We'll get into all that, but I want to start with your backstory and just where you got your start in marketing, where mm-hmm. you, you know, how you, how you kind of started off professionally until this point. So how did you get to this point? Right. So I'll say that I started uh, my digital uh, career, we can say, uh, today I'm 38. So um, like these days, and I started the web, a web marketing agency with two more co-founders when I was 25 or 24 or something like that. So that was like a decade ago, but I started without any kind of background. And actually, I didn't find myself uh, fitting into any kind of educational, traditional educational process. So uh, I, I nearly or barely finished school. And then, you know, after I got released from the army, I started the university and uh, it was a complete disaster. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't for me. I'm not that kind of material. And then, then what, what happened is that I founded my own business, which was which was a smoothies smoothies bar, uh, which was I think it was the best business that I ever had. Right? You know, we were just carefree over there. Uh, but at some point, a good friend of mine uh, just came back from the states, and he founded uh, his his partner 
founded um, amazing businesses in, in the States for uh, remediation and restoration services and towing services mm-hmm. and stuff like that, legit businesses that still operate still today. And they what, what they wanted to do is to transfer all the um, offline activities. Uh, you know, and again, I'm talking with you about 2004, 2005. Yeah, sure. So most of the activity were, you know, coming from yellow pages, but they're real hard copies, right, and stuff like that. So um, um, their vision was to move all the all the um, we can say revenue generated generation resources to be digital. Mm. And then they called me. I had no, I didn't have even I think email address, or I didn't even know how to operate email. <laughs> and I just started to um, learning by doing, right? So I got myself hit into walls to understand how things work. And what we did in the first few uh, weeks is to create listings in Yahoo Local. All right, so that was the really beginning of the of this venture. Nice. I'll just uh, move us fast forward. So it, in two years uh, after we launched, so we already had a few dozens of employees in Israel, but all around the world as well. And the revenues uh, were a few uh, more than a few millions a year. So that was, that became a really big operation. I can say that I was reached out by senior Google employees to tell them how we cracked open the code to uh, hijacked. Um, uh, Google Maps listings from Google mm. Maps, right? Because you have a lot of, uh, it's like a prominent place to be on the first uh, three or the first seven uh, box uh, results over there. So um, I got really close with, with with Google at the time and it all was without any formal education. And this topic is important for me. Maybe we can get into it later on, but this is why we created mm-hmm. Zest eventually. So that was my, really be- the beginning. And I was the CEO of this agency for four and a half years. Then I left. The agency is still live and kicking these days. And then I became a CMO in a big um, Israeli startup named uh, Webidu. That was in 2012 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Webidu is a big, uh, it was a big venture and um, the core solution is like uh, Wix, which I assume that, uh, that, you, that you know. Yep. Code free website. So Webidu gave the same solution, but for businesses, right? So if you need to create 100 uh, code free websites here, you Requirements are quite different. So you need different kind of level of permissions, mm-hmm. and white level solutions and all that. And Webidoo, we raised uh, almost $18 million. Uh, I managed uh, a budget of a few millions of dollars each year. And we grew to be quite big. Uh, we, I generated 300,000 uh, B2B leads. And over there, I met my, my co-founder for the yellow uh, crime, uh, which called Zest. And I'm, I assume that we'll speak about it probably later on. Definitely. So I, I, well, let's dive into it. So for those that aren't using it yet, first of all, what is Zest? And uh, what, what was the process of actually building out that company? Yeah, right. Actually, it's quite interesting. But uh, the Zest itself, um, it's a knowledge building platform for uh, uh, for professionals or for marketers. And this is the only uh, vertical that we cater to at the moment. What, what we what we understood is that um, in professionals, for whatever vertical, they're wasting around eight hours each week in uh, trying to find content that will help them to do their job better. Mm-hmm. So today there is no, um, you know, trustworthy or, or effective solutions. You can just go ahead, consume your content over there, be um, wiser or more knowledgeable, and then you do your job better, get your career goals and project milestones much faster and all that. So we're all wasting this time. Um, I think we also recognize there is some sort, source of um, huge global shifting in the way that we consume content, right? So we all expecting content to be personalized and on demand. We can go, mm-hmm. go to Spotify to consume um, audio content. We go to Netflix to consume personalized and, and, and on demand um, uh, video content. 
And we believe that now we can go to Zest and consume personalized and on-demand content, but we are adding to it one more, you know, this is the twist of lemon. So um, uh, we're adding for it another um, element, which is that all the content is goal-focused. So that will help you to get your, to reach your career goals much faster. Um, the tagline, you know, if you want to take a messaging out of it, so it's like that we help you to build your knowledge away from the content noise. Mm-hmm. The core of our solution, it's an associative AI engine that defines uh, users' profiles and then matching for each a user and educative uh, path of uh, content that help them to, you know, to grow and to be better at, at what they do. So no more too many resources. We, we don't need to be swamped. We don't need to live in formal kind of um, status all the time. That's your go-to place to go ahead and be more knowledgeable and better professional. So Zest really, it's kind of built on the backbone of actionable content, yeah. right? So I guess let's let's kind of shift now talking about content marketing and the importance of content marketing in B2B specifically. Mm-hmm. In your eyes, what what is that? What what is the significance of content marketing in B2B? I think that um, content marketing is probably one of the core uh, pillars we can say, especially to um, not just generate traction but also to retain, engage, and you know push users down the funnel a little bit. If you ask me, the best kind of um, Traction channels probably will be uh, word of mouth, uh, content marketing, you, you know, word of mouth and all its uh, perspectives, like um, referral mm-hmm. can be word of mouth and the actual word of mouth uh, with spreading content and, you know, uh, the word about your solution. So it's word of mouth, content marketing and influencer marketing. I think if you try to get uh, into your funnel or in your marketing mix, if you have those three kind of uh, channels, you probably will get a solid kind of solid uh, and better form kind of uh, a funnel. I know that we build this growth uh, upon of these three main uh, um, three main uh, sources. Today we have mm-hmm. 100,000 uh, marketing uh, users. And we, again, you know, we bootstrap the company for one year till 2018. Then we fundraise a pre-seed round of $700,000 um, uh, from an amazing, from amazing investors. And I think it was two months ago when we, when we launched our two mobile apps. So we um, hit the mark of 100,000 users and we never, we actually never spent a dime on, 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 on marketing. But like in the core activity was word of mouth. And we, can, we will speak about it in a second, content marketing and influencer marketing. And this is really what built our own funnel. In the perspective of B2B, if you ask me, I think that, again, because there are a lot of, the buying cycle is quite relatively uh, longer in these perspectives. So mm-hmm. you probably need to use, uh, or let's say what will help you to engage your uh, prospects over there will be probably content marketing because it really drives um, engagement and, uh, and, and thought leading. And I think this is the right channel to use. So I feel like to, you know, B2B where you're not spraying and praying, but it's more about whale, uh, whale hunting, right? Yeah. Well, what, what advice would you give to the impatient CEO that they're the CEO of a B2B company, they know that they should be doing content marketing, but they just don't see when a blog post goes out how that top of the funnel asset is actually going to drive business. So what what would what advice would you give them? What would you tell them? Um, I can tell you that I've been there and, and done that. Um, you cannot see all the scars on my face from working with um, a CEOs <laughs> like that in a good way. I think that... Uh, if you take it in in a, in a in a in a good way again, so you don't need to educate no one. You need how to communicate your goals, KPIs, uh, workflows, and stuff like that. Maybe a little bit better. I'm I'm tending to take responsibilities all the time, 
So I will not blame someone else's point of view about how they see that marketing should work, how funnel should react, what is the activity and performance I should educate. I should help them to better understand my own perspectives and by uh, bringing in and well communicate a uh, small wins, right? And then this is mm-hmm. build their uh, trust. I think that uh, marketing and sales are two departments that are very rely on the resources of the company in some sort of way. So if you need, it's really depend on the organizational structure, but if you need to work uh, on something on your product, so you need a product team and R&D to help you out because you will not have engineers, let's say in your own uh, marketing department and stuff like that. So you, you, you need your resources, your internal resources. And what I did eventually um, uh, in the previous company that I was a CMO at is that um, we understood that there is some sort of um, pressure, as you as you say it so nicely, from the from, from management. And mm-hmm. uh, we understood, we knew as marketers or the one that hold the marketing brains, I, I knew that, you know, it's all about process and procedures and trial and error and to try to understand what is, um, um, how to make the filters holes a little bit, uh, you know, tighter or, or a little bit uh, bigger, especially uh, so mm-hmm. to to track more, more users and engage and convert them. So what I did is that um, I went ahead and I think I blasted probably tens of thousands of dollars in uh, ads on ads and especially on uh, uh, Facebook and, and Google. And mm-hmm. at some point I went to my CEO, you know, there was a lot of traction and uh, conversion and it was a whole mess. And I went to the CEO and I told him, listen, man, I'm spending all your money. I'm feeling that I'm just, you know, exhausting our own resources. I feel like I'm not building real estates, like uh, evergreen real estates, as far as related to the marketing mm-hmm. activity that we do. We definitely need to change something because the CPA was so high. The CPA was so high. And, you know, the cost per acquisition eventually or converted or paying users. So it doesn't make sense. And maybe it's scalable, but um, we need to, in order to scale it, we need tens of millions of dollars uh, if, the, if this is a large uh, operation, right? So I, I think that I banged my head against the, the, ta- the corner of the table a few times to make sure to have the best ideas to come into. And then I said, all right, content marketing. And I think it was in 2013 or something like that. Then what, uh, and, and that's an interesting uh, story because what we did is that um, I, I um, hired two more uh, students to help me mm-hmm. start, initiate a new content marketing process. And, and over there, we, we, you know, we interviewed the product the team, the R&D, the management and everyone, we built a persona. We understood that our personas over there are professional uh, web designers. And then once it was so clear who are they, we just, we just needed to understand what, where they are hanging out digitally, of course. So we created this cool um, Excel spreadsheet with a lot of tabs in it. So the first tab was blogs, for instance. And, and uh, on blogs, we just listed, you know, you can go to Google, write uh, best blogs for whatever, web designers, then you'll go for one page one till page 10, can list all the, um, uh, you know, all the blogs over there. The second tab was uh, forums. The third tab was uh, lists. The fourth tab was influencers and so on and so forth. So we really mapped the industry, right? Because we were so focused on, on the persona. But then again, as we understood, is that we need to create some sort of, um, to change the mindset to be more like funnel-wise, so we call this project Bloggers Acquisition Funnel or Bloggers Acquisition Project. And we understood that uh, now that we have around 10,000 bloggers and blogs uh, to choose from, we need to see it as a funnel and you cannot just go and blast those 10,000 lists, right? Yeah. We created a score system, 
for it. So it was like um, an Alexa rank or the amount of subscribers and all that that can go. So we'll better understand who are those, uh, uh, who are those blogs and bloggers and how much, um, uh, uh, how, much, uh, how much subscribers they have and all that. And then we created the uh, Tills, right? So if they were we- well-known, like Smashing Magazine, Web Designer Depot, all those huge publications, they, we call them tier, uh, tier 1 or Tier A. And then those small ones, you know, they were Tier Z, whatever. And then what we, what we did, we said, all right, funnel. So let's funnelize it, right? Let's um, go ahead and reach out. So when we reached out to Tier A, no, you know, we never heard back from them. We said, all right, let's create. Maybe we can uh, contribute articles over there, guest posts, uh, whatever, but no one ever replied. So I said, all right, let's go to Tier Z. Tier Z, before you hit send, they already replied you. Say, yeah, of course, it's fresh content. Give it to me if you, ha- if you have something. It's great. Oh, it's a new tool. I will write about you. So they're just eager to create new and uh, uh, unique content. And then they started to write about, about the solution, about Webidoo. So it, can, it could be a straight review or a listicle or something like that. And um, after that, we started to get reached out from a tier X kind of um, a bloggers. And they said, hey, so we saw those people writing about you. Can you give me you know, a few words about yourself? We said we created the bloggers relationship. So we treat them as customers. You know, we send them swag. We call them on their birthdays. We really create a segment within our CRM for only for these kind of beautiful people. And I called it a content uh, retargeting, which is quite interesting because in, uh, I think it was three weeks after that we launched this project and the reach out process. So each week we got uh, mentioned around 15 to 25 times each week. So there was like articles mentioning that. And then all those blogs are spreading their content on social media and they're sending it to the, uh, you know, to the, all their subscribers and, and, and their newsletters. And then it, uh, you know, uh, the same persona, which is so, we, we targeted it so uh, focusedly. So they saw our, an article about us over there, a social post about that mentioning Zest uh, in there, and then a newsletter summarized all the articles. So again, Webidoo uh, was mentioned over there. So it's like, it was like content retargeting, you know, without pixel and smart uh, tricks, just blast. And I think that what's nice in it is, first of all, it really generated a, a much better kind of funnel, uh, which uh, lower a uh, drop of percentage at each, sta- each stage of the funnel. It was e- easier for sales to know where those people come from and try to engage uh, to engage and convert them in an easier kind of uh, manner. And, you know, SEO-wise, I think that till today, although I left the company um, like four or three years ago, SEO-wise and, and the content itself still generating leads, right? They're still pumping up leads into the, into the, into the funnel, which is, which is beautiful. And that's, I think, how you should, and you can create a real estate for your company and to try to make your content marketing efforts to be a little bit more industrialized, right? And a little bit more scalable. Now, you cannot scale it, you know, in, in, in big, like you can just uh, increase your bid for a given Facebook ad. But it is some sort of, you know, I think it was like for the first one and a half years. So we got uh, more than double digit growth months over months as well related to the amount of users that we generated. So, and then I think once you build your credibility with the management team and with your CEO, the next step will be to um, warm up a little bit your elbow and say to everyone, all right, good people, good colleagues, uh, this, is my, this is my domain. This is my, um, you know, I think that CMO is like a mini uh, CEO in the company. You, you, have a, you have a big budget that you need to manage and no one should t- tell you if, uh, you know, with those $5,000, you should hire someone for half a position 
or to use them on Google Ads or for the creative content creation, a content growth kind of process. So you are your own, your own boss. And I think that once you build your credibility and authority within the company, it's totally legit to do almost whatever you want and try to hold the whole uh, flow of users, starting from a, a marketing, sales, customer success, and support. And in some cases, I believe it also product should be part of the marketing and not part of the R&D or just standalone kind of uh, process, especially these days where you have a lot of conversational UIs and all that, and you just need to know and listen to your uh, users much, uh, much better. We hear their jargon and lingo and all that. So I think that's the right angle to do that. That's, there are a lot of nuggets of wisdom in there. I think that a lot of people that are listening are going to say like, okay, that was like, that was basically you just sitting down and consulting them and giving them the best advice you could. But if you had to distill it, so if you had to just simplify it and say, look, if you're thinking about doing content marketing, if you're not doing it yet, what are like, what's the one, two or three things that, that a business owner really has to do to be effective as simply as possible? Yeah, I think it's the first stage is to define your core persona, not three personas, not two, but core professional persona. If it's B2B, so most of your targeted audience probably are professionals, right? In some, mm-hmm. in some sort of vertical. So know this vertical, know who is this uh, great persona, then understand what are those digital bottlenecks that, um, um, um that you know where to, uh, where to meet them. Uh, mm-hmm. with your content. Again, it's all about the content right perspective that we have in this conversation. And then what you need to, to do is to try and uh, to map all those digital bottlenecks and to understand what are, the, what are the list of offerings that you can offer for each of these kind of entities. Because it's, uh, some tier ones probably, probably will want $3,000 for, you know, to have a, um, an editorial place um, on their whatever publication. Mm-hmm. Maybe if you if you do it in a wiser way, so you can offer something else. So you can build your CEO or your own kind of a persona using self-branding methodologies. Then you can become a contributor over there to start with. You can also start with tier C to be a contributor over there and then move uh, move on. So it's all about the offerings. At some places, you can reach out to those people who write the blogs. For instance, contributors, if we speak about big publications, or just uh, authors that you see that they actually contribute content in different kinds of publications. So you can work with them in some sort of way, maybe pay per mention or something like that. It all should be legit, of course. So it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's all about uh, the offerings. Start from a low kind of, uh, or, or a less known kind of uh, blogs and publication and then move up. So that's, that should be the process and, and treat your blogs and bloggers and all those third party kind of uh, people as they were your own team members slash your own customers. So uh, again, co- say congratulations for whatever happened to them in their personal life, send them some swag, try mm. to feel part of the team. So it's all about retaining those relationships and eventually big things can happen for us over there in the other company. We created an internal PR kind of um, a micro, depart- micro department within the, within the marketing department Eventually, we got we used the same methodologies. We got on Forbes eight uh, times, the Next Web, uh, and all these kind of huge tech publications. Mm-hmm. So it's the same methodology. If you do things in a methodological man- manner, you'll be able to achieve, and for long term, of course, you'll be able to achieve a lot of your goals and uh, to have a lot of added value from your process. That's awesome. I mean, 
I think we overcomplicate things for ourselves. It's it's just all about whether it's SEO or or content marketing, PBC. It's all about finding the right person to talk to, providing a solution, and finding the most effective way to do that. And then it never hurts to be empathetic or kind to the people that you're marketing to instead of just pushing pushing on them. And I think that content is a medium that really makes that easy because through content marketing, it's it's not always just so clear cut that you're marketing or you're selling something. You're usually providing helpful information. So it, it kind of eases that, that gap a little bit, but in like in a world where every business knows that they need content to win, how can they actually stand out? How can they be different than other companies in terms of their content? That's a great question. I think that a lot of um, companies, not just B2B companies, but a lot of brands are asking themselves, I can, I can uh, differentiate themselves from others. I can tell you what works for us, for, uh, for Zest in, in, in this venture, is that we understood that, um, how to put it, we are just the facilitators of what's going on, whether it's the marketing effort uh, or the product itself or the whole mm-hmm. uh, solution. For instance, uh, for a lot of articles that we created, they were um, created in a, we call it in a community-driven kind of manner, if that makes sense. So we had some sort of thoughts. We reached out to Zest users. We asked them if they can review the article, if they want to contribute to the article, if they can feedback us about this specific topic or uh, article. And that way you got treat content as you, use, as, you, as you treat product, right? So we can tell them, you just imagine it's the same methodology, right? So, so hi, hi, guys. I have um, an alpha a product uh, that I want your feedback in. You can also be part of it. Would you mind to give me your uh, feedback or to be part of it or... Stuff like that. So that way you are you're engaging your own users to be part of it. So you know it's all about engagement, and I'm sure that, uh, that you understand uh, you know the retention, adoption, and 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 kind of these kind of elements in, in what we are in what I'm just saying. And the other thing mm-hmm. that they actually feel part of something that is bigger. So we are not trying to sell them anything, but you try to engage them with your own activity, and that probably uh, should increase their. Uh, appreciation, not just for you, but for the brand, for the product and for the solution. We call this methodology community-driven manner to create content. And of course, when when you use those kind of methodologies, you can also use not just users, but also whatever influencers or micro-influencers and publishers and stuff like that. And to get to speak with them about content, we are all professional content people, right? So let's mm-hmm. be content. Let's not try, as you said, not try to sell something to each other. Let's Surround ourselves with discussions about content and what is good content. Let's be part of what, of our own creations. So that's something that holds a lot of added value for both sides. So that's for that. That's the less radical kind of approach. The more radical uh, approach, and I'll take like one or two minutes to, 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 to describe it. Yeah. It's all about community push. So it's actually the community who push, which pushes the, the content itself and also the distribution of it. Uh, for Zest, we launched two uh, mobile apps. It was uh, in early June. Uh, it was a very successful launch on Product Hunt. We won Product of the Day and Number Three is Product of the Week. Although the, the product itself is just for marketers, so uh, we got a lot of engagement uh, uh, over there. And it was mm-hmm. reason for, for it was quite clear. It was all carried out by the community. And before we launched it, I watched um, on Netflix. I watched um, Fire Festival. Yeah. <laughs> Now, of course, this is a horrible kind of thing that happened over there, but the marketing elements that they used over there, um, I saw it and I said, all right, should I, uh, maybe I can use some of the elements over there in our own perspective just to try and push our two new mobile apps. Uh, and if you remember on, 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 on Fire Festival, they used 
those influencers shared orange squares and hugs about, uh, you know, see me at fire festival, something like that. So I said that um, we, are, we cater only for marketing professionals. And as far as I'm concerned today on social media, everyone is a, is a, micro, a micro influencer. You have your own secrets, right? So you can influence them. And what we did is that we understood that the solution of Zest is not just a content discovery, of course, or something like that, but it's something it's much, it's much, it is much uh, bigger than that. And we are actually making professionals to be better versions of their own, of their self, by empowering their self-learning uh, habits. So we call it a, a, we call it a tribal self-learners because if you're a self-learner, doesn't mean that you need to do it alone. And we zest algorithms, the network effect product and all that. So we are all building our own knowledge together because we use a lot of cognitive tech and AI and, and machine learning, not just as buzzwords, but the core product is really um, stayed on these uh, technologies. And um, what we said is that those two uh, mobiles are empowering self-learners. We are all self-learners. Uh, we wouldn't be in our current position, where, whatever we do. We wouldn't be here if we will not consume those two articles a day that we do these days, right? I will not listen to this podcast, I don't know, once a week uh, or once a month, whatever. Each one with its own, uh, with our own um, consumption habits. And then we said, that, all right, let's empower others by telling our own stories. And the KPI was that I uh, asked the team uh, to generate uh, five to six social media posts of users, of uh, Zest or potential users that just will share their self-learning status or history and how they grew themselves to be the professionals they are. And we created a brief on our blog of how you can share your story. And we said that if you want to be part of the whole thing, so we'll create a nice creative for you. We know with the branded colors and uh, um, the Zest and Light launch soon and all those tribal self-learning kind of messaging in it. And we ended up to be to have more than 250 social media posts, blog posts and publications who shared, of users who shared their own stories, which was it went out of control in a really good way. It came to a place where a lot of people reached out to us and say, well, what is this new self-learning empowerment kind of uh, product that you're launching? How can I be part of the people who tell their story? And what I like the most, there are two things that I like the most in this campaign. First of all, the KPI was to bring in 2,000 uh, users or better users to those two mobile apps. We ended up to have more than 6,000 uh, registered users which is great. You know, again, we are just a team of uh, four or five people. So we don't have a lot of people, right? So we, we extracted the most out of it. So what I like the most is those people who shared with me their statistics on LinkedIn, where you can see how many um, uh, impressions or views you have also on, on Facebook. And the, those stories or those posts from users who told about that story got the more, highest amount of, of engagement and exposure. It was so authentic. The brief was built so good and they, we, we showed them how to tell an engaging story. So they really got a lot of exposure, each of those users. That's one thing. The other thing that I really love to see is that we saw that users who told their story are now being engaged with new users who tell their story. So they like they like it, they write comments, say, well done, thank you for sharing it with us. So we created some sort of digital and mutual care for each other. And this is, I think, the cornerstone of a great community and probably the best kickoff methodology that you can have if you want to build some sort of uh, movement that is, again, bigger than your own product, right? Yeah. 
I, I want to keep on the subject of tribal self-learning for just a, a minute more. If you're if you're going to consult a, a marketer, if, if they ask you for some one-on-one time, just wanted some advice from you, and they ask you, what is the one non-marketing area of my life that I should become more educated about that will help me to be a better marketer? What would you tell them? Right. I think that in Hebrew, it's, uh, it's easier for me to, um, uh, to define it, but I'll try to do it in English as well. So um, I, I believe that each one of us has been uh, divided into three main categories, we can say. So there is a personal us, right? So it's all about stuff. You cannot disattach it, attach it from the professional us, right? But I think professional has been divided into two. First of all, it's uh, our profession stuff. So I'm a, I'm, I'm a professional marketer. Another aspect of our profession is how to be a pro, we can say, so a real pro, for instance, is someone that um, if you set a meeting with them uh, to meet, so uh, they will arrive ten minutes before the meeting, right? You, they will never, they will never uh, late. If you say uh, if you work with someone in your team and you have a clear brief and milestones, so either they will get to the milestone because they know how to work good, right? They are productive, they are efficient, and all that. If they will miss one of those milestones, so because they are that pros, they will communicate to you. Now, it's not that you're a marketing professional, design professional, dancer, or whatever. You are a pro. You know how to communicate milestones and how to, you know, if you're not achieving your milestones, so you know how to communicate with the rest of the team. So it's the profession, your profession and your pro being, I assume. If you ask me what a marketer, what type of other fields marketers should know or be more knowledgeable in, so I think you should go back to, do, to, do, to this definition. So for the prof- personal being, of yourself, try to learn, learn, really improve how you're becoming more healthy, um, sleep more, eat better, right? So that's, again, if you sleep less good, you will not be that good marketer, right? You cannot disattach it. Then for marketing stuff, uh, you know, this is why, for instance, we created Zest. So make sure that you are uh, consuming the right amount of content in the right uh, time that really grow your knowledge, so it's not about relevancy. The relevancy game is out. It's relevancy, it's given today. But something that is relevant for me, let's say that I'm an SEO expert. Now I, I found a great SEO article. It doesn't mean that this article holds added value for me. It's just relevant for me, but it doesn't mean that it had any added value. And it's um, uh, growing my own talent that way. Maybe it's just relevant because it's SEO. Maybe it's too basic. Maybe it's too advanced and I need to meet this article two months from now. But this is, I'm not trying to sell Zest, but this is what Zest eventually does. This is what the pain that I felt with my co-founder. So this is why we created this solution. So we talked about the personal you. We talked about the professional you. So try to have one source of truth, you can say, where you can come and consume a knowledge form. It can be also influencers that you um, appreciate, blogs and, and publication tools and stuff like that. And the pro, uh, the pro you, again, I don't have a better definition for it, but the pro you should know how to be better, for instance, entrepreneur, right? Not because you're going for your own ventures, but entrepreneurs know how to be a little bit more productive, how to be more efficient. So all those things together make you what you are. So I, I believe that eventually you need to know how to live healthier life and how to be a better professional. So learn your profession, use those sources and resources and learn how to be more pro by um, upskilling your soft skills, eventually, like management, mingling, and stuff like that. And then what you need to do is to create a healthy mix. You can say resources that can help you to be a better 
or a better whole, right, of, of yourself. And that should do. Now, it sounds a lot, but if you will try to uh, take it on a, a, for a Google Doc and break it down a little bit, you will find your two core sources for each of those three pillars and, you know, start from there. I love that. I think we're too focused on like the relevancy part of it really spoke to me as well. I'm an SEO just because an article's about SEO doesn't necessarily mean that I should be reading it. Yep. There might actually be something out there that is more important for me to be reading to build my other skill sets as well. In terms of your skills, I guess my final main question here for you would be, what do you think is your number one skill? And I'll, I'll add another scenario behind it. If you had to get rid of all of the other things that you're good at, all of the other skills, and you can only keep this one skill, what would it be? Only to be, and that's so easy for me because I feel it burning within my, myself. But um, I, try to, I will try to say it without sound, you know, I'm using a cliche or something like that. But it's actually to be, um, um, how, do you, how do you say it? Like the people, uh, people, people, how do you call it? Like to be a, pe- a people person, a people person. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah. And I think that that's, that's for a marketer. It's a crucial skill. I think that it's an even more crucial skill for entrepreneur, whether you are um, co-founder uh, uh, or not, uh, mm-hmm. especially for a CEO who need to lead organizations, whether they are small or big, you need to be like that. So it's all about having this, um, how do you call it? All right, I don't have this word right now. It's um, <laughs> I'm not sure why, but I lost it a little bit. But um, I'm saying that it's all about being intelligently, but not only mind-wise, but also heart-wise. Mm-hmm. Uh, Emotionally intelligent. Exactly. That's it. You see, right. complete me today it's in a perfect manner. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. So I think that that's, that's what's so important and that, that what's so is missing from the web, from brands, from the way that brands speak today. It's so formal and not authentic. What we created in Zest and one, uh, you know, it will be one line about it. So we created the VAT, uh, we call it the VAT methodology. So VAT, it stands for vulnerability, authenticity and transparency. And we're making sure that each of our communication, whether it's those automated emails, Facebook posts, in, even internal emails, and any kind of communication internally and, and, and externally, is using those three main, you can call it points. This is the methodology. And uh, we're we trying to make sure that um, if we write something, even if it's just a tweet, so it's still backing up this point of view, to be vulnerable, authentic, and transparent. Being vulnerable doesn't mean that you need to be um, a poor I don't know, or a crying kind of, uh, but you need to have it in your tone of voice. But it does, it does mean that you're making yourself much more human. And they, as you said, eventually intelligent. And that's so, so important for these days, not just for brands, but also for marketers, entrepreneurs, CEOs. If you're a strong, uh, if you're a leader, so a big part of your uh, leadership skill is to be emotionally, uh, emotionally wise, wiser, we can say. So that's my point of view of that. I love that. I think that's that's crucial for marketers everywhere. We're all people, yeah. but we kind of we kind of lose that when we're in the thick of if doing the work. We we just kind of think robotically instead of fitting within the confines of what Google says we can do as opposed to just being humans and yeah. trying to do what's what's best for other people. And I think that's that's a fantastic skill to have, a fantastic mission to strive for. So, Yam, at the end here, I just want to give you a chance to talk about Zest a little bit. You can sell it. There are, there are a lot of marketers listening to this podcast. Zest is great. I personally am on it. I'm getting more and more into it. It's just really easy to use, really 
user-friendly, helps you find a lot of great things that not only are relevant to you, but are actually valuable to you. But I would love to get, you know, your, your take on it, your call to action for, for listeners right now and kind of wrap things up for us. Right. So I, I will not sell uh, Zest. I think I don't need to, uh, to sell it. And if I try to sell it, I think that no one will buy because um, I think what we need to sell is that uh, what we need to, the message that we need to deliver is uh, when we look on ourselves uh, in the mirror. So we need to, make, to understand who we are, where we came from, and where we want to head to, right? So your three main uh, statuses that you need to understand about yourself as a professional. If you know where you are, you, where you are today, where you want to be in X amount of time, you need to have two main things attached to it. One of them, and probably the most crucial one, is um, experience. The more experience that you will gain, you know, I don't care about degrees, not because I, I, I dropped out, you know, but because I hired probably a few hundreds of people in the past uh, decade. Um, and the degrees and all that never spoke to me. It just gave me, give me those people who've been there, done that, and failed. If you try to have your own venture and you fail, your knowledge from this specific experience is much faster than anyone who, who learned, a, I don't know, a business and marketing, for instance, for three years. So you already was much more. And I think that, um, uh, so that's what important. And if you know where you, that's, so that's one thing about the experience. The other thing is about your knowledge. If you want to build your own, uh, your, your own knowledge, so you need to find the right resources. You need to appreciate the resource. And I think that that's where Zest comes into. So we are, that is here to empower those marketing professionals to be better versions uh, of themselves. themselves. Because eventually, you know, it's not that we are creating the content. The content that gets into Zest is being suggested or submitted by the community. The machine learning classifies and, and distills the content. And the AI is matching the content for each end user. So it's all about the users. Uh, they should decide, decide, or it's all about the professional. They should decide who they are and where they want to be. And I believe that Zest just needs to be the facilitator and the platform that can empower them to do uh, much better and to be much more productive eventually. All right. Yeah, perfect. Everybody, this was Yam Regev. We are really thankful he was able to come on. He's from Zest. Go check it out. You can download it on your phone. You can check out their website as well. Follow Yama at LinkedIn and, and Twitter. And uh, thank you so much for coming on. It was really enlightening to talk about content marketing, talk about skills that people should build. So I think this was going to be helpful for a vast majority of people here listening. All right, Blake, thank you so much for having me. It was really great. And that's it for today's episode. Again, if you're a first-time listener or you've been at it since the beginning, please go ahead and rate, review, and subscribe if you haven't already. Wherever you get your podcasts, we've got you covered anywhere you want. 